This episode of Meeting in Middle America with Stephen Olakara is brought to you by UW-Milwaukee, Waggett, and Bridge and & Build. And now, here's your host, founder and CEO of the Millennial Action Project, Stephen Olakara. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in and welcome to Meeting in Middle America. Hope you're staying safe and healthy at home. On the show today is comedian and host of the Manitowoc Minute, Charlie Barons. Charlie has become a viral YouTube sensation for his parody of an up north Wisconsin journalist, and he's won the hearts of people in Wisconsin and across the country. I speak with him about his unlikely journey from an Emmy award-winning local reporter to YouTube star, and I get his take on some of the current Wisconsin issues, including the recent election debacle. So if you like a good Wisconsin accent, here it is. And now for everyone who's not familiar, what is the Manitowoc Minute? Uh, well, thank you. You know what, Stephen? Thank you. I'm glad. Yes. The Man to Walk Minute is the tr- most trusted news show in all of the Midwest, the most trusted online news show. And that's important. We just narrowly beat out them Russians this year. So that was exciting for all of us. But, uh, you know, we bring you the most up-to-date news on everything that's going on uh, in Rhinelander with the whole day. You know, where's the whole day at? You got to know. You come to the Man to Walk Minute. Uh, we give you the latest and greatest news uh on the Midwest uh, every uh, Monday that I feel like putting out an episode. So there you go. I love it. I love it. Now, when I, now you and I, Charlie, both grew up in virtually the same exact part of Wisconsin, but you seem to have picked up a much thicker Wisconsin accent <laughs> than I did. So well, why do you think yeah. that is? Well, I don't know. I mean, my, my, uh, I got a lot of it from watching fishing shows as a kid or from my grandpa, uh, my, you know, my grandparents are in Fond du Lac or every year we would go up vacationing way up North, like to the UP, uh, or the UP Wisconsin border. That's upper peninsula, Michigan for anyone not, uh, from around here. But, uh, you know, I just kind of picked it up and would, would, me and my brothers would kind of talk in that dialect a little bit, kind of playing around. And then uh, obviously I'm exaggerating for the purposes of comedy, but uh, you know, I, I definitely have a, a natural, a naturally thicker Wisconsin accent than most. You have an interesting story as someone who, uh, you know, you went to UW Madison, we're both fellow Badgers and reported from many places across the country. And I heard that you at one point got a vocal coach. Someone tried to, quote unquote, cure you of your Wisconsin accent. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, well, you know how it is. In, in news, they want you to have a neutral accent and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I, I had a, a couple coaches over the years. And, you know, um, one of them in particular really tried to get beat the Wisconsin accent out of me. And here's the deal. You can change the voice coming out of your mouth. Okay, but... The voice in your head never changes. Uh, he's there the whole time, okay? Hey, dear folks, how you doing? Never left his noggin, okay? So now you're just, you're speaking more of your inner truth through your show. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's true. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, so so let's get into your journey a little bit. I think it's, it's so sure. fascinating. And, um, you know, what would you say are some of the most important inflection points from 
being a journalist and you even won an Emmy for some of your uh, journalism and, and local news that led you to say, I'm going to give stand-up comedy a shot and then ultimately start the Manitowoc Minute. What were some of those key moments? Yeah, well, so I started working for MTV News in college. I worked for the Choose or Lose uh, thing. Street Team 08 is what they called it. And they had a rep in each state and I repped Wisconsin. That kind of got me into doing journalism in a new way, which, you know, it wasn't really the uh, traditional journalism. It was citizen journalism. And so that got me, you know, into that and also into editing video. And um, at that time, there was sort of a flood of this citizen journalism or this um, YouTube uh, news organizations coming out. So there was a lot of finding my way through that a little bit. And one of the best ways to convey the news or what seemed to be one of the uh, more compelling ways. Um, and by compelling, I mean, it got us more views, which was obviously, you know, uh, the big uh, measure of success in those early YouTube days was to take the news and add comedy to it. And so I was working for this organization uh, in South Carolina called One Minute News. And we would basically take news stories, whatever they were, news of the day, and just try to add like punchlines to it, make it conversational. And um, so that got me like really into the comedy writing style, which is basically set up punchline, set up punchline. And the thing about the news is it provides the setups. And so that's actually a big thing as a comedian. The setup is huge. Like, what's your observation? And then what's your punchline? You know, a lot of times it's hard to find the observations. So news always provided that. And so it got me in the habit of writing, you know, um, headline, punchline, headline, punchline, fact, punchline, you know. So that got me introduced to comedy. And um, my story is I left college, I worked on a film set, you know, as a PA getting coffee. And then I, I went to Los Angeles and I got some more coffee. And I also worked on sets, you know, as, as a production assistant, I would set up cameras. And at night, I would set up cameras and film my reel, which again, was kind of set up punchline, set up punchline, I was going for that sort of comedy news space and I ended up getting a job in South Carolina after that and then um, I worked a few different news programs uh, everything from being a business reporter to uh, to hosting a local TV show in Dallas uh, called Nightcap on CW 33 uh, and there I did a mix of comedy news also some serious journalism that's where I won that Emmy that you referenced and uh, then I went back out to Los Angeles and was doing red carpet reporting and there's nothing in the world that'll like suck your soul out faster than doing red carpet reporting you know why so, is that and, oh it's the worst it's the worst I mean nobody wants to be at a red carpet not the not the actors, not the journalists, you know, everybody's sitting there giving you canned responses for something that it's basically a PR stunt is what it sounds is. like Nobody's Washington, D.C. It is. It's Washington. It, it, exactly. Exactly. It, it's and, and this is often in L.A., which in terms of personalities rivals dc for having maybe some of the worst out there you know yeah and uh but you're doing uh you're doing these these things and so basically to keep my sanity i started doing stand-up comedy at night in the clubs and everything and that's sort of where i developed this character that i've been working on 
for a while, which was sort of the, the somewhat stereotypical Midwest persona. And so what was the first, do you still remember the first time you did the character? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was like, in, it was like doing open mics, you know, and just yeah. like really like saying, so, you know, a lot of times when you're doing comedy, what you'll do is you write facts about yourself and then add punchlines, kind of like the news. You, those are your setups, facts about yourself. So I'm from Wisconsin and then be like, oh, cheese squeeze folks. I'm telling you, yeah, I, I grew up with a pretty thick accent, you know, and then kind of, kind of go down uh, that for a little bit, do a bit on that. And yeah. then I created a bit about my time in local news and having the accent. And that always seemed to do well in the comedy club. So, um, you know, I, I eventually just, um, you know, I ended up putting out a few videos where I was a stereotypical newscaster. Uh, and then um, it, it, the first video did very well. And uh, so then I did another and another and then, you know, at some points, uh, I think Turner Hall in Milwaukee reached out and they're like, do you want to do a show? And I was like, yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I can do that. I could not do that. I had like seven minutes of material max, you know, <laughs> so I had to come up with a show in two months and I worked very hard on it. It did well. It got some good reviews and then kind of, you know, I've been doing it ever since. So. And you comment on a variety of issues on the Manitowoc Minute from making a brandy old-fashioned, uh, doing the census. But this week, you decided to wade into the Wisconsin election issue. And your advice for voters was that you should just Donald Duck it and vote at home. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely. I mean, I think that's great advice for anybody, you know. Yeah, Donald Duck, look, nobody... Folks, I'm telling you the most beautiful thing about America is that you don't need to vote with your pants, okay? You can do it all at home, do the mail-in voting. And, you know, that, look, that's a, that's a great thing that uh, I wish more people would take advantage of is the absentee voting. I mean, it's something that um, Democrats support, something that Republicans support. Um, uh, so I think it's a great thing uh, to do. It ensures um, that, you know, you're not going to have a problem on election day. If things are busy, you don't have to wait line. So, yeah, I try to, uh, you know, kind of get that stuff in there uh, as much as I can. Well, I thought it was pretty salient analysis on, on what was going on. I tweeted it out there because I thought our leaders needed to, to hear that message. Now, when you you do have this amazing platform now, and how do you decide which issues to get involved in and and you also support a number of charities as well how do you make a decision on which issues which causes which charities you want to be supporting with the with the show well you know i think with the election one um i think i may have taken a little bit of heat for that because it came across as like overly um on one sided like toward the democrat side but it really that couldn't have been further from the truth of what my intent was. Basically, uh, the reason I selected this issue was I have family in the medical field. And, um, you know, when you throw a bunch of people out there when we're supposed to be social distancing, um, I think that needlessly puts their lives at risk. It also puts the lives of poll workers and all that sort of stuff at risk. So I think, um, you know, and this issue to me seemed like something that both sides 
could really find the middle on. We could find the uh, like a common sense, you know, thing. I'm not, I'm not really one to be overly uh, political, as they say. Um, but I just, when there's an issue where lives are on the line and the solution is simple enough, you know, delay the the vote or or do mail-in voting. Um, to me, it seems like when those very common sense things are being ignored, then it's worth bringing up to the audience and and really leaving it to them, saying why is it being ignored? If it's if there's no logical reason, is there a financial reason or a political reason? And if the if if the reason's financial and political, and that's trumping the health of of people, then then we really need to pay attention to that. So when there's an issue that I don't think is right to be ignored, I'll take that on. Um, but beyond that, it's just, you know, common sense, easy things, like trying to get the census filled out. This, this doesn't happen often. Uh, it's where money comes from. It's where your representation in Washington comes from. So you might as well do it. So what we did was, uh, you know, make an old fashioned, fill out the census. So kind of tie it in with something that's fun. We're all sitting around in quarantine anyway, so you might as well fill out the census. And, uh, you know, and I was I was actually happy when I saw like the Midwest has some of the highest response ratings on the census. So I don't know. I don't think I had a lot to do with that. But it's it's nice to know that Midwest folks are, you know, are know that that's important and, and take the time to do it. I do know people who filled out their census with a drink because they saw your video. So I think it, it, it did make <laughs> some difference. Happy. That, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Now, you know, one thing that's interesting about your show is you have so many Wisconsin references. You say, we look out for deer, you know, tell your folks I says hi, all of those types of things. But what's interesting, and that, of course, resonates with me because I get all of those references. I know exactly where they're coming from. But you have an audience outside of Wisconsin, too. You know, I running a national organization, I'm well prior to the coronavirus hopping around the country and I'll hear from people on the coasts, even people who don't have a like they didn't grow up in Wisconsin, but they still have heard of your show and they like the references. What's your theory of why it is appealing outside of Wisconsin? Well, I, I've, um, I've kind of heard that too. And I think that it is, you know, basically it, it's a lot about, I think for a long time, the Midwest is sort of an underserved market in the comedy space. You know, there's no shortage of Southern comedians. Um, there's no shortage of like Boston or East Coast comedians. But I think the Midwest has often been sort of overlooked in the comedy world. So when you're putting a lot of stuff out there, um, that's like a little bit different. Uh, I think that resonates. And also everybody, I everybody's either from the Midwest or knows somebody from the Midwest, you know? Exactly. So, yeah. uh, and and the people they know from the Midwest, they're often like, why do you say they, you know? And so I think uh, maybe I can offer a little bit of insight on that. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And you know, the people I think about on the East Coast who've been listening to your show, for example, they, either have family in the Midwest, in Wisconsin, or they, when they were younger, they went to summer camp up North in Wisconsin, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's something like yep. that. And the accent just reminds them of a, a wholesome, warm personality that they're kind of familiar with in Wisconsin. And I think, I think there's something to that. Well, I, I totally agree. And I think, honestly, it says less about me and more about just the place in general, because what I try to do with 
the comedy is to bring as much of the sort of the journalistic element of observing, you know, and looking at what's currently there. Like a lot of my catchphrases and all that sort of stuff, I didn't make those up. Um, they are a reflection of what is already here. And, and the point of the character is to reflect something that already exists um, and heighten it for some comedic effect. But um, I think I think you're on to something that people do really enjoy the Midwest, enjoy the, um, you know, the pace of life, the kindness, all that sort of stuff, which I do think really resonates here. Yeah, I have friends who come to Milwaukee for a wedding. I hear that story over and over again, and they just come away, whether it's the summer or the winter, they come away just feeling so touched by the people. And you did an episode on Wisconsin Nice. People have heard this phrase all over the place, but you did a whole kind of um, incisive look at what Wisconsin Nice means. And um, you had some great things about, you know, just checking up on people and, um, so what do you think are the components of Wisconsin nice and wh why do you think that's even a thing to begin with? Well, I think, I mean, look, there, there are certain places where they're nice to your face and then they're, you know, they're not nice when you turn your back. I don't think that's the case in Wisconsin. I think there is a, um, an embedded idea of wanting to, you know, to, to do right by people. And, uh, sometimes it's, you know, to our own detriment, you know what I mean? Sometimes we're overly nice. Um, you know, in some cases, I think it's to get out of purgatory a few years quicker, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> growing up Catholic, that's my uh, motivation to be quite honest with you. But, you know, everybody's got their own reasoning, but I think it, it's just part of the culture here. I'm not exactly sure where it comes from. I think maybe, honestly, the weather has a lot to do with it, you know, when it's like, <laughs> when it's, you know, I mean, it was 74 degrees here on uh, Tuesday or something. And then the next day there were flurries out, you know, so it's kind of like when so many days of the year are like someone's taking a hammer and hitting your thumb with it, you know, you kind of, uh, you kind of build up this, okay, we're all in this together. We're going to get through it kind of mentality. Yeah. Now I've had a certain experience that I'm sure you've had as well, where, you grow up in Wisconsin, then you travel out to the coasts and you're confronted with culture shock. And part of the culture shock is you are in an elevator, you say hi to a stranger and they give you a weird look like, why, why are you saying hi to me? Or you say hi to right. someone on the sidewalk. You talk to other Wisconsinites, they have the same exact story. In DC, I feel like people wonder like, what's your angle? Like, why are you being so nice to me? Like, like they don't almost yeah. like it's, you're being too nice to me. This is too good to be true. You know, right. Did you have a similar experience when you, when you left Wisconsin? Yeah. Well, I was out in LA. First of all, the weather was a culture shock. I didn't know what to do with 75 and sunny all day long, <laughs> uh, you know, which is, is crazy. It's like, that, that's why they do plastic surgery and stuff out there. Cause it's 75 <laughs> and sunny all day long. They're like, Oh my gosh, it's amazing. 10 years go by and they're like, what happened? It felt like it was 10 days, you know, and then right. they get plastic surgery because they want to live forever. But, you know, in the Midwest, a lot of times we're like, you know, it's colder than hell out. I just hope I'm dead before February, you know. Uh, but I think the bigger thing is like when you go out to L.A. too and you're trying to um, and you're being nice to people, you know, obviously a lot of them want to know what screenplay you're selling them. But uh, beyond that, I do think 
people look for that Midwest work ethic out there. Uh, at least that's what I've heard. And that was the response I got um, when, when I first went out there is that they do look to hire people from the Midwest because their people from the Midwest are known for their work ethic. So mm-hmm. um, I, I don't even remember your question or if I answered it, but uh, that, that's all I have to say. It's right perfect. <laughs> well, yeah. Why Wisconsin arts are, are nice. That's a yeah. on, on, ongoing theme, but you know, you were in, what I would consider to be a tough business of comedy and you've done comedy in Wisconsin, you've done it across the country. And uh, I think comedy is like maybe any performing art where you're putting yourself out there, you're making yourself vulnerable to an audience. And I imagine you see some differences in the audience. Like if you really, I mean, I'm sure you've never bombed before, but if you were oh, to, <laughs> if you were to, I'm sure um, the audience in Wisconsin might be like, Oh, it's okay. He'll be better next time versus in LA or some other markets. I imagine that they're like, get this guy off the stage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's definitely a cutthroat thing. I, you know, that, well, that's how you cut your teeth in comedy. You know, it is good to do it in LA and New York and Chicago to a certain degree, because there's so much comedy out there that, you know, you're going to do shows like every night with frankly, just a bunch of comedians in the audience. So that most of them are too busy scrolling through their phones, looking at their set or their Instagram or whatever, barely paying attention to you. And there are yeah. no gimme laughs, you know, some of them may go, ha ha to like kind of support you. But yeah, I've eaten a lot of, uh, eaten a lot uh, up there on stage. So that's just part of comedy. You know, you, you get out there and you, you, uh, you deal with that. It makes you a better comedian. Any, anytime you can get up there and bomb and still hold your space and own your space, that, that really helps as, as a performer. What's the worst experience you had at a comedy club? Oh man. I mean, you know, it's, it, it, uh, uh, it's, uh, you know, you, you go to the, when you're first coming up, you like go to the comedy store. Um, actually those experiences were largely good for me, but, um, I guess it'd be going to like an open mic or doing the runs and you're up until 1am like where they're pulling names out of a bowl and you're there until 1.30, like just give me five minutes. All right, honestly, three minutes. You're waiting for three minutes of time and they yeah. don't pull your name. And you're just like, I can't, I've spent four hours and I can't even bomb, you know? But it's not a waste of time. You still watch a lot of other comedians and you get a feel for it. But yeah, there, there's no shortage of worst experiences. <laughs> I bet. Now, at what point in this journey did the that hunting jacket come into play? Hunting jacket. Um, honestly, so I, when I was living in South Carolina, I needed a, I was going duck hunting. So I stole that from my dad. It was in the fruit cellar. It was his old one. I didn't think he'd miss it. Uh, he did ask me if I took it. I lied and said no and forgot about it for a few years. And then when I was doing the first man's walk minute, I saw it in the closet. I decided I needed like a sport coat, but I need a, you know, what would the Midwest sport coat be? Well, it's gonna be uh, gonna be a duck jacket. Hunting jacket, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, and my dad actually was a little bit mad because he saw the video, the video went viral and then he, he uh, one of his friends sent it to him and he was like, oh, so that's where that jacket went, okay. And, uh, then, um, but I found out he stole it from his great uncle Heine. So that thing goes back oh, to the fifties. So yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's called karma, honestly. 
<laughs> Do you have yeah. the duck jet, the, the hunting jacket nearby? Oh yeah. Yeah. You want to hang on a yeah, second? Yeah, let's, sure. Let's I got grab it back it. here. Yep. There it is. Yep, there it is. Oh, <laughs> hang on. Do you My room's just, a mess, but you can't really see outside of the thing. There it is in all its glory. This is a, it, um, it's a Buffalo, Buffalo Bill. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Bullseye Bill. Buffalo Bills. That's a football team. It's a Bullseye Bill jacket. Uh, these were pretty standard issue back in the 50s. You know, you go over to your farm and fleet, fleet farm, they'd have this guy. And, uh, but it's tough to find this camel pattern uh, mm -hmm. anywhere right now. So anytime I see them, or if any fans have them, I usually say, uh, I will give you all the merch for that jacket. You know? <laughs> Does the accent just immediately turn on when you put that thing on? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you can really anybody, they can sit here and talk normally. But as soon as that one arm goes in, then, oh, my gosh, hey, dear folks, how you doing? It's me, Charlie Dose, the Mandwalk Minute. How many of you have caught walleyes today? What'd you get them on? What color jigs? If you lie to me, I'll be gosh darned. I am going to be upset. There's no lying about what you're catching walleyes on, okay? This is the circle of trust, okay? Like Mufasa's. Well, I guess Mufasa was talking about the circle of life. But that's what's going to happen to the walleyes if you tell me what you're catching them on. No fibbing, okay? All right. Keep her <laughs> moving. That's incredible. I love it. I love it. Now, um, you have to come up with a new show every week. And well, I don't, I mean, I come up with new videos every week. The man talk yeah. minute show I've since, um, you know, kind of, uh, a big part of comedy is the surprise, you know? And, yeah. um, and so you don't want to just do it every week because people like catch on to the bits. Now we do it probably about once a month or something. I'm just going to put a thing in my throat. So, there's nothing weird that I just put in my mouth, but I just wanted to let you know. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that for the audience. Um, so, I mean, a big part of your show too is I think the editing is spot on. And I, I can imagine that, that, how long does it take to just do an episode, to tape it and then edit it down? Well, that's another reason I don't do it every week. <laughs> yeah, it I does bet. take a lot. It's a lot on the editing. It's probably about, you know, writing the completion. It's probably like 24 hours of straight work, you know, not yeah. in a row. But, um, you know, it Scouring takes a lot Craig's of time. List. Yeah, it's everything, man. It's going crazy. Now, sometimes fans send me stuff from Craigslist, so that's very helpful. That, that saves a lot I of bet. time. But, uh, yeah, you know, the editing is a big part of it. Editing is you know, essentially another form of writing. And so, um, you, you know, a lot of times you'll write it, you'll, ed you'll start editing. And then while you're editing, you'll see other stuff you can put in there. So then you do reshoots and all that sort of stuff. And, yeah, and it's, um, you know, it's a whole process. It's very fun though. Yeah. Yeah. I bet. As you know, one of the big aspects of, of this podcast, Meeting in Middle America, is all about how people are coming together in the Midwest and trends that are rippling across the country, especially in a year when the nation's eyes will be on Wisconsin. Now, you have this interesting perspective of having traveled across the state uh, and across the country. What ideas or trends do you think are most important in Wisconsin that people like think about your friends in LA that you think they should be paying attention to? 
Well, I first of all, don't ignore uh, Wisconsin or don't ignore, you know, the middle of the country that that can have pretty dire consequences if you do that. But I think people here are no different than people anywhere else. Um, and I think they deserve the, the same amount of respect. But uh, there are a lot of uh, a lot of issues here that, that are reflective of, you know, the rest of the country. I mean, you look at at the dairy farmers right now and, and the things that they're going through, they're affected by, um, you know, the first of all, this quarantine um, is 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 tough. You know, the tariffs have been tough on them. Uh, and it was a tough industry before any of that. So um, that's part of, you know, the Wisconsin culture. And it's something that, um, you know, I think people want to protect and to, you know, the industry itself is, seem, is shifting, you know, to, to what, you know, people are asking for and demanding, you know, cheese is very popular. And so, you know, there, there's never been more, you know, and we've featured some great Wisconsin cheese on the, on the program, but um, you know, so I think that also, you know, we've got issues, uh, everything from, uh, the climate, you know, we've got the Great Lakes here and those need to be protected and people love their outdoors. They love hunting, they love fishing. And I think it's very important to a lot of people to protect those natural resources. Um, you know, uh, race relations, we look at like Milwaukee and, and, you know, no matter what race you are, you understand that we have a deep history with redlining and all that sort of stuff. And, and it's not something that you can just ignore. Um, our veterans coming back, uh, you, you know, wh whether it be hiring veterans uh, who are back here or some of, you know, the greatest, the greatest members of the workforce, you know, um, or, you know, just, just finding ways to acknowledge what, you know, those men and women have done, the sacrifices they and their families have made. Um, you know, these are a lot of issues that like when I'm talking to people or if I put them in an episode that people really respond to. Um, and it's not like a right or left thing. You know, I, uh, none of those issues are right or left. Um, and, and I think more and more I, I see people just kind of being over the political parties. They're, they're That's right. Nobody, nobody wants to associate in I'm not saying nobody, but I do see a trend of people not really being interested in associating with a political party because you know what happens as soon as you do that, people just stop listening, you know, and it's, I think people are more interested in, in Wisconsin uh, in talking about an issue they care about than they are taking a political party's platform hook, line and sinker. Cause frankly, when you do that, you get mostly sinker, you know what I mean? That's uh, right. That's a fishing reference, okay? You're going to the <laughs> bottom of the drink if you do that, okay? You know, because there's so many hidden interests in that. And, and but I think when you stick to the issues, then uh, there's more of a conversation. There's more of a dialogue, you know, um, and less finger pointing. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think you make a good point about dialogue. And Wisconsin is at this crossroads. It seems to me that. Uh, Wisconsin is held up sometimes as an example of political polarization. And you see that in recent events with the election and just the gamesmanship and the stalemate that you see between Democrats and Republicans in the state. Uh, you see it 
in greater Milwaukee, you mentioned the racial segregation issue. But then there's the counter narrative of what we were talking about earlier, which is Wisconsin nice. We do, like, I think out of everywhere I've been in the, really the world, Wisconsinites love to crack open that beer and just talk and have a, a, an honest conversation um, that has no ends in mind, no motivation other than just enjoying people's company. And it's so weird that those two narratives exist at the same time. Um, but I, in some ways, it's like you see the best of Wisconsin um, with the latter reference of just enjoying people's company and sitting down at a, at a Brewers game, for example. Um, and then you see the polarization take place too. Um, I don't know if you can, do you, do you see it the same way, Charlie? Yeah. I mean, look, when, when you, uh, start getting politicians, um, on both sides of the party, grandstanding and whatever, people get sick of that. Nobody elected you to go grandstand. And that's why people are sick of the political parties. But when you can just take someone, uh, on the opposite end of the spectrum as you, and just sit down and talk to them, talk about what, talk about what you relate on, you know, fishing, talk about the Packers, you know, it's, that's a great thing to just say, we have, we all have more in common than we do have a part when what we argue about are like, that's okay. It's okay to have differing opinions on something. Nobody's bad because they think differently. We're, I mean, if we all thought the same that's not how human nature is, you know? And I do think everybody has the same um, bottom line reference, which is frankly, if you boil it down, I think it's love, you know, and people, eh, you know, they love to hang out. They love to have a good time. They love each other, you know? And I don't think there's any reason to uh, get into the constant mudslinging. I think that's what politics brings to the table And I think uh, it's unfortunate because most people don't buy into that, you know, whether it's um, whenever you get somebody drumming up uh, just all the nastiness and the hate, whether it be on, um, you know, news or talk radio or whatever, if somebody is angry every single day about something, I think that's more of a reflection of them than it is the politics of the time. You know, that's right. Well said. Well said. Yeah. My, my prediction is that Wisconsin will be the key to the solution for this political issue that you're talking about, because we have, you know, in many ways, we're the crossroads of the country geographically, politically, um, economically, uh, you referenced some of those issues. And if we can come together in Wisconsin, uh, and you and your show touch on so many of those dimensions of our life that really do bring us together and we focus more on those things and that's the entry point for talking about the the issues like immigration or climate change or or gun violence or just being able to vote in 2020 i feel like if we can focus on you know whether it's i I call it the three s's that bring us together sports sound and service if we start from there uh then we can utilize those relationships and take on the big issues we're facing. I like that a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think that like, just, you just start from a common place and then work your way up. Cause you know, nobody wants to feel backed into a corner or nobody wants to feel villainized for something that they believe in their heart. So just, I think understand that everybody who has a different opinion 
is coming from a good place. Trust that, you know, some people want to immediately say, Oh, you're, you're this, you're that, you're whatever. But if you truly try to understand why they think the thing they think, and it's usually coming from a very good place. So start there and don't start with this reactionary, uh, reason to them that knee yeah. jerk re- reason to like tweet something you know you yeah and that yeah no that reminds me of a uh my millennial action project my organization hosted this series of red and blue dialogues in greater milwaukee to try and see if there's a way to bridge the polarization we had one on criminal justice reform and at a table we had intentionally curated the participants to be politically diverse coming from all different backgrounds, but we don't tell anyone that ahead of time. And so afterwards, uh, an, uh, an older woman comes up to me and I know from having seen the list that she is one of the uber liberal activists. And she says, you know, Steve, I love the conversation, but there's one problem with it. I just felt like we were agreeing with each other too much. <laughs> and, and I told her, I said, ma'am, I just want Thank you for the feedback, but I also want to share with you that um, to your left was the local head of the Republican Party, and to your right was the head of uh, Americans for Prosperity, which is a big right-wing kind of group. And so the point was just when you can break down those barriers and you don't start off with demonization in your mind, then you can have these unexpected areas of, of common ground. And it was exciting to see that, you know? That, that is very cool. And I think that, that that's prevalent all over the place, um, but I, 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 I think finding the opportunity to discover that is what's missing, you know? That's and right. so that event that you're putting on is very cool. It's a very cool way to do it. Packers games are another great way to do it. Fishing, another great way to do it. You know, find the common thing that we can all agree on. And you don't honestly need to always move past that. Just start there, start realizing we're all human. We're all in this together. That's Nobody's right. malicious, you know, um, and uh, there are some malicious people, but they're very few and far between. Yeah, that's right. Okay, couple rapid fire questions. One is favorite Wisconsin catchphrase. <laughs> uh, well, you know, obviously I like the keeper moving one, but I, I think my <laughs> favorite one is when people, you know, it's hard for people to say I love you in Wisconsin. So instead what we say yeah. is, just watch out for deer, you know? <laughs> so yeah, that's probably my favorite. I still remember, you know, so my parents immigrated to the U.S. They're from India. So we didn't come in with some of these references, but I still vividly remember my first day in kindergarten at Burley Elementary School, which you probably know of. And, yeah. uh, and I'm starting to hear about bubbler. I'm hearing about these other references. <laughs> and then I still remember the first day of hunting season. And it's like just the whole school, like kept people are coming in with their reflective gear, um, talking about their, their, their cabins up North. And it's, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's great stuff. It's great stuff. So watch out for deer. Yeah. Yeah. Watch out for deer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's when you're driving, you know, you don't want to hit them with, you don't want to kill them with your car. Okay. That's, that's (laughs) save them for fall. Okay. (laughs) And second rapid fire question, most interesting thing that you've seen traveling across Wisconsin. Oh, you know, I was uh, I was actually invited to uh, a veterans powwow at the Mohican Reservation, um, Stockbridge Muncie, and I thought it was really cool. Um, 
to see that. I, that was something I had not been exposed to um, before, and uh, I, it's it's great to to see that. Um, you know, you have these tribal members who served in the military, and it was kind of you know. Um, it, it was just, it was like a really cool ceremony. Uh, there was an intertribal dance, you know, which I got to go out and, and show nice. my moves. Uh, uh, spoiler alert, I'm pretty white, lacked some rhythm, but, uh, you know, it was, it was fun to do. It was a very cool experience. I love that. Man, Charlie, it's so cool to see how well the show is doing and really appreciate you being on the show. I love how you, you really are on this theme of bringing people together. You are bringing a lot of different people together uh, through your show and you have a positive message and you're supporting a lot of good causes too. Um, and I also want to say, I know your, your family is working in, in the medical profession. You're on the front line. So just tell them I say thank you and um, appreciate what they're doing. Okay. Hey, thanks, Stephen. I really took that to heart. Take it right to the clicker and I'm just going to throw it right back on you because that's what we do in the Midwest. What you're doing is amazing bringing folks from the other sides together. Okay. And, uh, that's going to, that's just going to serve the world real good. Okay. So, Hey, tell your folks I says hi. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, as we sign off, I know you have some views on the Packers and the bears. Mm, I do. Thank you for asking folks. I hope this was the best interview of your life. Uh, as always go Packers. And are you going to edit this out or no? This is a podcast. We have no rules. I don't know. And the bears. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, Charlie. You've been listening to Meeting in Middle America with Stephen Olicara, sponsored by UW-Milwaukee, Waggett, and Bridge and Build. This has been a WISPolitics.com, WISPBusiness.com podcast production.